0: As we come.
1: Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe teaches from the book of Proverbs, chapter 17.
2: These are called the the Proverbs of Solomon. Most of these Proverbs are from uh, King Solomon, and they're they're just wise sayings, and it's very helpful stuff, just simple truths, but then other verses are some pretty deep truths that are good for us. But hopefully, as we read through this, It's like a mirror, that we see ourselves in a mirror and we we realize how short we come and how, you know, we need more of the Lord. We need more of his spirit working in our lives. We never want to look at this. I think I mentioned this last Tuesday. We never want to look at uh, God's word and say, oh yeah, you know, like a, a checklist. Done that. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. You know, because really we fall short and that's what the word of God shows us and it should bring us to the cross. It should bring us to that place where we repent and turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I need help. I need you to help me in these areas. So guaranteed, as we go through uh, chapter 17, there's something here for everybody. Guaranteed. Proverbs 17, verse 1. And Solomon writes, Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Better if you have just a little bit to eat. If you're, a ho- if you're in a house that's quiet, that's calm, that's peaceable, there's nothing like peace and quiet. When you're, if you ever try taking a nap or going to going to sleep, and your neighbors are real loud, or maybe they have a party going on, and you're you're trying to fall asleep, and they're they're making all kinds of noise, and that makes for you know a rough night quietness is, is nice to have that, that, that quietness. So even if you don't have a lot to eat, so just to contrast, even if you have feasting, a lot of food, it's better to have, you know, some peace and quiet because if, you're, if you have like feasting and there's a lot of strife, a lot of arguing going on, a lot of problems going on, um, your food's not going to digest very well. It's not going to go down very well and you're going to end up being sick because of that. So just a little truth there. Verse 2, A wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brothers. A wise servant will rule over a son. I believe this is saying if you, if you have a, a hired servant, a, a wise servant, and he's working for you, and he's wise, he's going to end up having authority over your son that's a foolish person. You're not going to raise up the, your foolish son to run your business if he's foolish. He's going to make terrible mistakes. He's going to, you know, he's going to probably bring your business down into the ground or use all your, you know, the monies for himself. So it's better to have a wise servant and he'll have authority. But hopefully, I think this is saying too, that if, when he makes good decisions for the business, for the household, he'll make extra money for you and you're going to want to have him as part of the inheritance. You're going to want, you know, he's going to share in the inheritance, so an encouragement, I believe, for all of us to be wise servants, to be wise when we serve in our workplace, to, to make good decisions and to you know, pray about it. As Christians, you know, in our workplace, we should be those that pray and ask the Lord, you know, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do with this situation? How do you want me to act in that situation? And the Lord gives us wisdom. The, the Bible tells us in James chapter one, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and that he gives to all generously, liberally. And I'm constantly, I don't know about you, but I'm constantly in the the ministry and all, in my family. I'm constantly saying, Lord, I need wisdom. And he gives me wisdom for that day. And then I'm like, Lord, I need more wisdom. And constantly I'm asking the Lord, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom from above. I want to know your will. I think of Abraham's servant, Eleazar. How he was a wise, faithful servant. When you read about Eleazar, he was, you know, a good servant. But then I also think about—remember King David's son Absalom? That's a foolish son. Remember he rebelled against his dad. He wanted to kill his own father to take his throne. So what a difference—a foolish son or a wise servant. And I pray that you know you and I are, are wise servants. So it's an encouragement for us to be wise servants. Verse 3, A refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. Refining pot. If you, you're desiring to purify silver, you need to put it in a refiner's pot. You need to you know, take the impurities out, the dross out. And Most of you know this, but you know, when taking those impurities out, you have to heat it up. You need to put it in a refiner's pot. And when you do, when you heat it up, again, the process, we've heard this before. If you've walked with the Lord, you know, any amount of time, you know, the dross, the black stuff comes to the top and then, you know, the the refiner, he takes off the, the top, the black stuff, and then he heats it up again. And it's a process. It continues to get heated up and he continues to pull off the dross. And you all know, most of you know this. He knows when it's finished, when it's purified, when he can look down and see his reflection in the gold or in the silver. He can see it's like a mirror. And that means the impurities have been taken out. And what a wonderful picture again for the believer, how God, he he puts the heat up in us. He tests our heart. He puts us in difficult situations to surface things in us, black stuff, dirty stuff, sin. And then we see it and we give it to God and we ask him, Lord, forgive me, take this away. And he takes it away and he's purifying us. But when we're done is when he gets all the garbage out and people can see the reflection of the Lord in us. But the thing is, once it's all done, when he's done, the process is done, we go up, I believe. Because nobody in here is perfect. You know, he's purifying us. The Lord tests the heart. He pulls the stuff out. I remember being a, a baby Christian and just young, and the Lord was dealing with so much garbage in me right away. I don't know if that happened with you. I think he, he probably desires to do that with all of us. But, I mean, when I totally surrendered my life to the Lord, I said, Lord, I have nothing to give you. This is a mess. Please do something with me. And he put his hand on my life. He empowered me with his Holy Spirit. He started working the work of his Spirit in my life. And all of a sudden, he just starts surfing. He's seeing all this garbage in me, and it was just so ugly. And I, just, I remember one day just saying, this is terrible, Lord. And he's like, I know. (laughs) And I remember telling somebody, you know, I felt like putting a a sign over myself saying, under construction, because so much work was going on. I mean, there was hammering and chiseling, and, and he was just working on me like crazy and just pulling it all off. But I, I notice, you know, as we mature in the Lord, sometimes we can, you know, after a while, start justifying why we do certain things instead of going back to that place when we first met the Lord and we said, th- you know, when stuff surfaces in us, we can say, well, oh, the reason why I'm doing this is because so-and-so said this to me and I got upset because, you know, and we can start justifying why this stuff is being surfaced in us still instead of just saying, Lord, this is sin. Please forgive me. And this has been speaking to me just big time about how the Lord tests our hearts. He tests your heart. He puts the pressure on. And he does not want you and I to justify why we're doing this stuff. He wants us to call sin, sin. He wants us to repent from it. He wants us to turn from it. And he wants to change us. And if we go around continuing to just justify why we're doing everything we're doing, then it's like construction sites, you know, he's like he packs up the bag and says, okay, well, I can't do anything here. You don't want anything done. But it's such a good thing to stay in that place to say, Lord, continue to form me, conform me into your image, continue to change me, refine me, God, purify me, Lord. May we not justify our sin may we confess it to him and may we repent and allow him to take it away. I'm amazed there's so much garbage in all of us. I'm amazed that they're like, Lord, where's this coming from? And it's garbage that he wants to remove from us. But I can have a tendency, you can have a tendency to try to explain why it's okay what we're doing when it's not okay if it's sin. And we need to repent just like the day you met Jesus, you need to continue to repent and turn. Don't have a hardened heart. God tests the heart. We can harden our heart. And there, you know, you see people like this. I, I see you know, there's some people that have walked with the Lord for many years, and you don't see that pliableness in some some people. Are, they harden their heart. They're like, I'm this way. This is the way I am. It's like, wow. How much better if you just say, I'm this way. I want to change. I need to change. 1 Peter 1.6, the Apostle Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. If need be, he says, you've been grieved with various trials. So the Apostle Peter saying, you know, you're grieved with various trials. But then he goes on to say, why? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, glory, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, you're going through these pressures, you're going through these tests, you're going through these trials to test your faith. Your faith it's more precious than gold and it's being tested with fire to be found to praise and to honor and to glory in the Lord. In other words, please don't don't lose me here. In other words, when these trials happen, when these tests go on, and all of a sudden, you know, something happens. Let's say you get caught off in the expressway, and you're just getting, oh, you're just getting angry, and you're just getting so upset. And, And it's supposed to bring you to a place like, wow, Lord, where did that come from? God, forgive me. And then he touches you, and he takes it out, and then you say, praise you, God. Wow, I've been driving for two days. I haven't yelled at one person. This is awesome. And then you start praising him for what he did. And you start giving him glory for what he did. And you start giving him honor for what he did. As you just call out and repent and turn and recognize that that that's coming out of you. So again, the the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tests the heart. Verse 4, an evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful Tongue, an evil doer is basically one who does evil or does things that are bad. Giving heed means he pays attention or listens to to those that lie. When you're doing bad things, when you're doing, when you're sinning. You're attracted to those that lie. When you're walking in the flesh, you're walking in darkness. You know, people that are walking in darkness, you're just kind of attract, You're attracted to them. Those that are lying and, and it's saying, you know, that's what's going to happen. If you're an evildoer, you're going to take heed to false lips. You're going to believe lies. A liar also listens to a spiteful tongue. A spiteful tongue means a tongue that's full of iniquity and mischief and wickedness. I notice... People that practice lying and they manipulate, they cause mischief, they're, they cause you know, iniquity. And, and, and I noticed that if you ever notice that they attract other ones and they start attracting each other and then they're lying and then and they're all kind of agreeing with the lies. And, and it's like, it's a good reminder for us as Christians that we're not to listen to that. When when those are around us that are lying and causing mischief and, and, and wickedness and iniquity and they you know we're to we're, we're not to take heed we're not to listen to them. Don't lend your ear to them. It's sad when you have people in the church that are are saying things about other people and they plant this seed. And I know this has probably happened to every one of us. If you've walked with the Lord for a while and they, they talk to you about somebody and they plant this seed, all of a sudden you have this seed in, in your thoughts and your mind about this person. And I know I've done this myself and, I, and I'm looking at that person because someone told me some really bad things about that. So I'm looking at the person, is he really that bad? <laughs> because if half that stuff's true, I mean, that's pretty bad. And, it, and it, it's like sometimes that seed, it gets planted in your mind and it's like you can never take that out. I'm not talking about wolves. I'm not talking about those that are practicing iniquity that should be called out on the carpet. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about saints, believers, those that love Jesus Christ, those are trying to walk with the Lord, and then they, they mess up and they fall, and they get back up and they repent, and they're walking again with the Lord. But you have some in the church that, that are trying to just bring division and bring, you know, bring these seeds, and they use some truth, but then they start lying. There's people in the church that are, and hopefully not in this church, I'm not, but there's, there's people in, in churches that, you know, they, they manipulate and they lie because they want to tear other people down, and they go around, I, I've seen it happen, where they, they're lying and they say things about a certain person in the church, you're like, no way, come on. And then you investigate and you figure, because this is some heavy duty stuff, and then it's like... No, they're, they're just totally being slandered. They're totally being lied about. And there's people in the church that love to do that kind of stuff. And as Christians, we're not to take heed. If they're evildoers, we're not to, it says, a liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. We're not to listen to. But if we have a tendency to be manipulative and lie and gossip, we're gonna put our ear to that person. We're gonna, really? What else? What else did they do? What else did they say? Lord, help us. Verse 5. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. One of the cruelest things you can do is make fun of those that are less fortunate, the poor, those that have difficult times. And, and you know, God looks out for the poor. God looks out for those that are having you know, difficult times and calamities and, and were to be those that, that help others that are in need. It's terrible. Kids can be so cruel, can't they, in schools? Can't they? I went to many different schools growing up. We moved a lot, you know, growing up, and just did some cruel things with kids. I mean, just like, it was just crazy. I remember, even in high school, I remember there was this, this young man that, uh, I think we were in like ninth grade, and he was, you know, he, he was challenged mentally and all, and he was, you know, he was made fun of all the time. Sweet kid. And I wasn't even a Christian, but I knew it was right to befriend this guy and to you know be his friend because everyone else just laughed at him and made fun of him and stuff. I thought, that's cruel. You, know, you don't do that. And I felt for him because I, went, I was laughed at a lot from going to different schools. I remember one time, it was just terrible. I walked in, it was an algebra class, and I walked in and this kid had, his lips were, were bigger than normal and stuff. So they, they, they used a chalk and they made these big, huge lips for the whole class the whole chalkboard and then they put his name next to it and I walked in that classroom and I didn't care if I got in trouble I took out the area I started erasing that I saw the kids and I just I told him you'll never do that again (laughs) God stands up for those that are less fortunate the poor God stands up for those that have are going through calamity and but you reproach his maker when you do that that's heavy remember another time, I don't know, I'm trying to sound like Mr. Hero, but just because I was, you know, teased and mocked and stuff like that, the new kid and then all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I felt for that. But I remember one time, this was in ninth grade again at the high school. It was Freshman Kill Day. That's what they call it. That's what the name, for one day. They pick one day and they call it Freshman Kill Day. Did you guys have that in your school? Freshman Kill Day. That's what it's called. Freshman Kill Day. But I remember I was bigger than the kids because I would work out all the time. I was on football and track and all that kind of stuff But. Uh, I remember that this one skinny kid in the freshman he was in I was a freshman you know and he was there in my gym class and we went in there and the, and the varsity team was there the varsity hockey team there and they grabbed this one kid the skinny kid and they're pushing him in the locker they're getting ready to lock put the lock on the locker and I stopped it and I said what are you doing this says, freshman kill day and I says well I'm a freshman <laughs> and that's why I have this tooth that's knocked. Out too. <laughs> If you ever notice my front tooth is tilted, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why. But, so we got the guy out of the locker, though. And I was hitting the guy's head on the locker when I was seeing it hit my mouth. His head hit my mouth. He was the goalie for the varsity hockey team. And I didn't care. And my wife, I told her the story, she goes, That was your shepherd's heart, you know. I, was, I just uh, something was in me. I was like, I don't like seeing people picked on or beat up, you know. It's like the kid couldn't defend himself, you know, and it's just it's wrong. But if you mock the poor, you reproach your maker, his maker. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of the children is their father. Children's children, talking about grandchildren. Come on, grandparents in here can relate with this, right? It's, it's your crown. It's like, wow, you want to show them off like you would a crown. If you had a nice expensive crown, you'd want to, it's like, look at this, you know? It's like, you see grandparents, these are my grandkids, you know? You're excited to, to let others know that those are your grandchildren. I'm, I'm very blessed. I had a loving grandfather growing up. I was able to spend time with them. It was, you know... When he'd go out of the house, go up to the grocery store, you know, he'd always, you know, want to take me with them and stuff like that. You know, I had such a—I was raised with my grandparents for a little while, and, and I think I have great memories. But it was like a crown. I can I can relate with this. You know, he was he was blessed by his grandchildren. My grandfather. I heard someone say, if someone said that if uh, I knew having grandkids would be so fun and so good, I would have skipped having children altogether. <laughs> Somehow it doesn't work that way, though, it doesn't. And the glory of the children is their father. The children uh, that have a good father, they they look up to their dad and it's, they're like, that's my dad. So it must be an awesome for those that are dads to have your children say something like that. That's my dad. Verse 7, excellent speech is not becoming to a fool much less than lying lips to a prince. Excellent speech, uh, eloquent speech, it just it doesn't fit. It's out of place if... He's, if a person's foolish, their, their speech gives them away. And you can tell, you know, you can tell in foolishness really throughout the Bible, when it talks about foolishness, you know, basically a fool has said in their heart, there is no God. And, and a foolish person is someone that does not believe in God, that mocks the things of God. And that's foolishness. Well, you can tell by their speech that they're foolish. Typically, you know, spending time with a person that doesn't know the Lord, you, you spend a little bit of time with them, and you find out that there's foolishness that comes out of their mouth. Usually, typically, not always. So, if they had excellent speech, you'd be like, whoa, you know, some, something's up with that. It's not, it's not right. And princes with their lying, they should not be lying. That was their royalty, and they you would expect truth to come out of their mouth, just like our politicians today, right? Verse eight. A present is a precious stone in the eyes of its possessor. Wherever he turns, he prospers. Basically, I'm going to read another translation for you. It says, some people think a bribe works like magic. They believe it can do anything. Obviously, that's not true. But some people, they think it's a precious stone, a, a present. In other words, a present, you're giving someone a, a bribe that's, that's precious and in, uh, in the eyes of its possessor they 're like, "Wow, they think that that's going to make them prosper and they 're going to able're they're going able, to manipulate that way but it's it's not true. Verse nine: He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends, covering transgressions you know it's a, another warning of of gossiping and talking about others and and it's a warning to you know, when somebody repents and turns, we're to, we're to keep that covered. We're not to go around. That's love. But he who repeats a matter separates friends. It's so easy to, to separate even the best of friends. There's another scripture that talks about that. But by t- talking and, and, you know, gossiping and stuff. So another warning for that. I think about Noah when he was drunk. Remember that in Genesis chapter 9 when Noah was drunk? Remember what happened with his son Ham? He exposed his father's nakedness. His father was naked. He was uncovered in his tent. And he went and told his two brothers. Remember that? He was, he's uncovering his nakedness. But remember what happened? His, his other two sons, Shem and Jepheth, they, they took a garment. They laid it on their shoulders. And remember what they did? They walked backward like this. With their, you know They took a covering, a blanket, and they didn't even want to look. You know, they walked backward, and then they didn't even look. They turned their head, and they covered their father's nakedness. So you see the you see the contrast, Lord help us, you know as we look at that Lord help us to to be able to to cover and not try to hurt others you just see the you see the heart of people that try to hurt others, try to expose others to and the, the heart is, is to hurt them you know it's like they you know, there's people that can, you know, have jealousy, and they can have envy, and it's like, what? And they're almost, they're looking for something in that person. They're, they're trying to find something. It's like, oh, if I could just find something in that person, I, I could bring that person down, and that's going to make me look better. But that's not love. It's not what you're supposed to do. So just a, another warning here. Verse 10, rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. Those that are foolish, again, not godly, not seeking the Lord, you know, they can have a hundred lashes, and it's still not going to change them. If their heart's set on, you know, just not following the ways of the Lord, not desiring the things of God, those blows aren't going to make a difference, but you rebuke a wise man, and it's going to be much more effective. As
0: throne of mercy, it's the sound. Of it's the
1: sound of the You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettig and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.
0: It's because Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise, it's the sound of our.